Well, I wish I didn't struggle with malapropism. Anyone else struggle with malapropism? Anyone know what malapropism is? Are you worried about where this is headed right now? Okay, so if you're new here, uh, my name is Jeff Manus. I'm the lead pastor here, and just so glad that you're with us today. I'll promise I'll get to my struggle with malapropism here in a second. Uh, whether you're joining us here in the auditorium or on a video screen somewhere for everyone, I am just so thankful that you are with us on this Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms. But every year I also like to pause and just say as well that I know Mother's Day is not always a celebration for people, uh, that there are people who have lost a mother or you've lost a child or you're estranged from from your children or your mom, and this is a day of, of mourning for some people as well. And I just want you to know that we remember that, and we're praying for you, we're standing with you uh, as you walk through this Mother's Day in pain, perhaps. Uh, so I just wanted to make that known as well. Malapropism is not a sin or a sickness. It is the use of the right word in the wrong way, thus making it the wrong word in the moment. And because this is Mother's Day, I found some anecdotes of children being uh, a falling prey to malapropism. I have to work on saying that word today. So uh, the first one is from a, a child talking about their friend Alice. It's on the screen here as well. And they said, Alice told me that she couldn't eat crabs or any other crushed Asians. Meaning crustaceans. This little child was so surprised, he said, you could have knocked me over with a fender. I'm sure you could have. Be careful where you say amen, by the way, because this little boy said this. Having only one wife is called monotony. Can I get a witness? Uh, no, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Nope, nope, nope. The last one's more of a story than a statement, so it's a little too long to put on the screen, so I'll just tell you, but it's my favorite one. There's a little boy that came home from school, and the first thing he asked his mom, walked in the door, said, Mom, are we virgins? The mom was shocked. Her eyes got big. It's like, what did you say? It's like, yeah, our teacher told us today that she's a virgin. Well, the the, the mom was, was just furious. She's going to call the school, talk to the parent, talk to the uh, you know, person above the parent. And she asked her son, why would you say that? Why, why would she ask you that? And the little boy said, well, yeah, our, our teacher told us she doesn't eat meat, and that makes her a virgin. <laughs> Malapropism. The use of the wrong word, uh, the right word in the wrong way, thus making it the wrong word in the moment. I've done it before. You have as well. And it's how I feel about this word, this phrase that Jesus used that I think we have then in turn used it the wrong way. We've misunderstood it in the, our teaching or at least in the fullness of our teaching. This phrase is found in Matthew chapter 18 verses 1 through 6. That's our main scripture for today, Matthew 18. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 18. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament portion of the Bible, written by a guy named Matthew, super creative title. Uh, Matthew is one of the 12 original disciples of Jesus, so an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's all good. All the verses are on the screens. And if you don't own a Bible, we'll give you one for free. Ask for one at guest services on your way out today. We'll give you one. We're going to read all the verses here to start off. Matthew Matthew 18, starting in verse 1, says this. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. 
Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Like, go Jesus, right? Like, I, just like, like mafia Jesus, something you hear from these sopranos or something. Uh, tie a millstone around your neck and drown in the depths of the sea. Some of you are thinking, I can get behind this kind of Jesus, right? But I digress, I digress. Jesus said, we must become like little children. And we must welcome a little child like this. So what does that mean? Well, this is where I believe we have misunderstood or misused what Jesus said. But let me first be abundantly clear, okay? As Wes Stafford so beautifully inspired us last week, which, by the way, if you weren't here last week or you've not heard the message from, uh, from West Stafford last Sunday, you need to go online as soon as you can to elementchurchwy.com and watch or listen to that message. Because Wes inspired us last week that, that children are at the center of the heart and passion of Jesus. They are at the center of the kingdom of God. But to only use a passage like this as a support of or indictment against a church's ministry to children would be a malapropism. <laughs> you see, this statement's not about just children as defined by age, their physical age. It's about children as defined by their faith in God. It really is a challenge to those of us who are in the church who believe in God and call ourselves followers of Jesus. Now, I know that not everyone who is here today would say you're a child of God, that you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe you came today because someone you know is getting baptized, and they wanted you to celebrate that day with them. Maybe you're here because it's Mother's Day, and your mom or your grandma wanted you attend to, to, to attend church with them, so, so you did. Whatever the case, if you're here and you don't believe in God, you're not what you would call a follower of Jesus, let me be the first to say I love it that you are here. And I actually think you came on the perfect day because you're going to get to hear about what Jesus expects out of those of us who do identify as children of God, as followers of Jesus. Earlier this week, I saw my dad, which is not unusual. They live right outside of, of Cheyenne in a little town called Albin, and so I see them often. They come to church here. I saw my dad earlier this week, and he asked me almost every week if I see him, he'll ask me, what are you preaching on this Sunday? And I told him, I'm preaching on being childlike, to which my dad said to me, I'm really good at being childish, and my mom's like, amen, brother, right? But that's true for all of us, right? Like, we're all good at being childish. That's natural. Now, some of us are more natural at it than others, and if you're sitting next to an expert at being childish, do not look at them, do not nudge them, just look at me. I know you want to, but don't do it. I will look at them for you, okay, because there are some expert childish people in, in the room. So we're all, natural, we're all natural at it. It would take all of about two seconds to pull up a social media feed and scroll through it to start seeing some pretty childish behavior, Right? Sadly, sadly, sometimes the most childish people are the ones who are or claim to be children of God. In fact, 
you might even be one of that, that might even be one of the reasons why you currently don't want to be a part of our faith family. And I get it. Like we Christians can be a hundred percent annoying in how we act in this world. Like I'm embarrassed sometimes at how good we are at being childish to those around us. So the disciples were no different. The disciples asked Jesus a very childish question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Talking about themselves. And in his response, Jesus exposes how childish they are being by even asking the question. I mean, just stop and think about the question and who they were asking it to. I mean, here the disciples were standing with Jesus, God in the flesh, creator of the universe, God above all gods, king above all kings, that he was quite literally the goat, the greatest of all time, Jesus. And here they're asking about themselves, who's the greatest, Jesus? Is it me? Am I the greatest? And Jesus pulled a little child among them, the lowest of the low, and said, unless you become like this child, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. Wow. So here's what we're going to see in this passage today. It's our big idea. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. And it's this, and I think we all understand it. Jesus doesn't want us to be childish. He wants us to be childlike. And there's a difference. He didn't want us to be childish. That's natural. That's called humanity. He wants us to be childlike. That's supernatural. That only Jesus can give me a childlike faith. So here's the big question that I think we have to ask if we're supposed to be childlike. How should we act more like children? How should we act more like children? And there's lots of things we could talk about. But because I am godly, we have three today, and they all start with the same letter. Matthew 18, going back and reading verses 3 and 4, says this. Then he says, Jesus, then Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins. And it's important to note, he's not just talking about all the do's and don'ts. Uh, the, 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 the sins or the rules we'd normally point to, the Ten Commandment type stuff. He's literally saying, unless you turn from the sin of your pride and your self-seeking and your desire to be the greatest and the most important and the most powerful and in control, unless you turn from that and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble, everyone say humble. I said it better than you. Anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, the word humble here in the original Greek language that this was written means to make low or to bring low, almost intentionally. And it seems to bring up this idea of being beneath someone else, lower than them in stature, okay, in status, so Jesus doesn't want us to be childish in our faith. He wants us to be childlike. So how, can, how should we be more like children? Well, the first thing I see from the words of Jesus is this, that we should rely like kids. We should rely like kids. Here's why I use the word rely. 
I believe when Jesus says that we should be as humble as this little child, he is talking specifically about how a child is so low that they have to rely upon or trust someone else completely for everything in their life. I mean, think about how ignorant a child is to their actual needs and how helpless they are to provide for themselves literally utterly dependent upon, utterly trusting a parent or a provider to supply everything in their life. The Benson Commentary, which I used for this message, says this, the first step towards entering the kingdom of God is to become as little children, lowly in heart, knowing ourselves, utterly ignorant and helpless, and hanging fully on our Father who is in heaven for a supply of how many? All our wants and needs. Then I would even go a step beyond that and I would say that not only do we need to to humble ourselves under the provision of God, uh, relying solely on Him as our source and supply for life, but we also need to humble ourselves under the authority of God, relying solely on Him as our source and supply for all of our ways, for how we live our life under His authority. Again, think about how trusting children are of someone who is their provider. And I know there are parents and there's providers out there that are not good. I get that. But for the most part, think about how trusting a child is of someone who's their provider, simply doing what they tell them to do and going where they tell them to go, without ever even questioning their motive or whether they are right or not. Like a child, a child instinctively believes anything their parent tells them and will even pattern their life after the direction a parent lays out at least until they're 13. Can I get a witness up in this place today? Right? For some reason, 13, switch goes off, now they're equal with God, and you know nothing, they know everything. Not my kids or your kids, I'm just saying kids in general, right? All the bad kids out there, my kids would never do that. Kids will actually pattern their life after the most ridiculous and radical things we tell them. Think about it. Think about it. For instance, there is a holiday every year where because we tell them, Children believe that an overweight man drawn in a carriage by flying animals that we would normally hunt and then eat is taken around the globe in one night, stops at every person's house, climbs in through their fireplace, leaves a gift for those who are good, and a souvenir from a mine in Gillette for those who are bad. They will leave refreshments out for this overweight man. They will sit on his lap at the mall. They will write him letters. They will even change their behavior to make sure on that one night that guy breaks into their house through the chimney and leaves a gift for them. Now, why do kids believe that? Because we told them. That's the most ridiculous thing to believe. And yet they just believe it because we said it. And they pattern their life around it. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to us here. And that's just one, by the way, of dozens of examples of the humility of a child. That if my mom and dad said it, 
I believe it, and I'll pattern my life around it. Why? Because they are my provider. They are my supply. They are my authority, and I trust them. And friends, we need to have that same childlike trust and humility towards God. That God, I don't understand it. A lot of times I don't like it, and sometimes I don't even agree with it, but I trust you. Not only do I trust you as my source and supply for life, but I trust you, God, as my source and supply for the way I should be living. So I will pattern my life around what you say, not what I feel. King David put it this way in Psalm 119, verses 5 through 8. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. And I love this last statement. Please don't give up on me. Very childlike statement, isn't it? I'm, I'm trying, God. Please don't give up up on me. Just like a child should not be free to choose how they behave based on their appetites, their desires, their feelings, their affections, neither should we. That's called childish, not childlike. Jesus doesn't want us to be childish in our faith. That comes natural. He wants us to be childlike. That is supernatural. So how should we act more like children? I think we need to rely like kids. We need to humble ourselves, make ourselves low, and make God high and lifted up. Amen? That he is my supply for life, and he supply, he's my supply for the way I live. Now verse 5 says this. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. So the second way I think we should act more like children, number two, is this. We should relate like kids. We should relate like kids. Now, I struggled with where to go on this point here. There is lots of debate as to what Jesus actually means by this statement. Does he literally mean whoever welcomes an actual child well, I think we'd be fooling ourselves to believe that Jesus does not want us to welcome children into his kingdom. We did that today through baptism, but it's deeper than that, okay? So yes, that is part of it, but it's deeper than that. Does he mean that, that we, we should welcome someone who has the humility, the spirit, the attitude of a child? Again, I think you'd be hard-pressed to convince me that Jesus does not want us to welcome those that come with a childlike faith into the kingdom of God, but it's deeper than that too. I believe Jesus is reaching beyond physical age and even beyond spiritual condition and I think he's given us somewhat of a window into how we should just relate to humanity in general as followers of his. The social ladder in this culture would have had children at the very, very bottom of the ladder. If I understand what I heard earlier this week, actually from another sermon, that children were considered lower than slaves in this culture. Lowest of the low. So least important. 
So the children on the very bottom of the social ladder, Jesus pulls this child in and says, you got to welcome people like this child. But I think it's even more than just like this child. I think it's you should welcome people like this child welcomes people. Think about it. We could learn a lot from kids and how they relate to one another. Especially how they relate to one another, how, how they relate to one another who are different than them. Now, I, I don't know at what age this happens, but for some reason, at some point, even as, as children, as minors, we become divided, even vicious towards people who are different than us. But up to a certain age, whatever age that is, kids don't relate to people based on any of that. They don't relate based upon differences. Like, I'm, I'm using the age of four, but you put ten four-year-olds in a room together, and they can be from all different sizes, colors, disabilities, backgrounds, nationalities, beliefs, whatever. And they simply just accept one another and welcome one another and relate to one another with this childlike love. And Jesus, I think, is saying when you live your life like that, when you treat other people like that, you are actually doing it to me. And when you relate to someone else like a child relates to someone, you're relating to them like you're doing it to me. Like a child relates to people of all colors and sizes and beliefs and backgrounds, even as a child relates to other children of different behaviors. So you relate to people as well. That's, that's how Jesus lived his life, Right? Like Jesus reached out to, he hung out with those who were marginalized, the socially rejected, the racially different, the politically opposite, the religiously opposed, even among people whose behavior his very own word would say was unacceptable. That's who Jesus related to the most. In fact, I've said this numerous times, but I love this statement that the people who were least like Jesus liked Jesus the most. And the church should be challenged by that. Should be challenged by that. Now listen, I, I understand the fear, especially when it comes to matters of faith and belief and behavior, how people are living out their life. I know that many times in God's church, it is in our fear of abandoning the truth of God that we inadvertently stop showing the love of God to all people. But we need to understand that truth without love is no longer from God. And love without truth does not have the power of God. And we need both in the church. We need both. But the people who need God's truth the most will never be open to it unless we show them his love first. So anyone who welcomes a little child like this is welcoming me. Anyone who welcomes the least, the marginalized, the rejected, the politically opposite, the religiously opposed, those with behavior that we would call unacceptable, anyone who welcomes them is welcoming me. 
Jesus doesn't want us to be childish in our faith. That's divisive. Dividing by our differences. He wants us to be childlike. Welcoming every person for who they are so that God can lead them to where they need to be. We so often want to be God and get them where they need to be first, right? Our job's to love and let God lead them to where they need to be. Yes, he might use us in that process. That's a sermon for another day. How should we act more like children? We should rely like kids. We should relate like kids. But let me tell you, when you start relying solely on God, and you start relating to everyone like Jesus related to us, that requires risk. It's the third thing we got to be more like children. Number three is this. We need to risk like kids. We need to risk like kids. This last one, forgive me, but uh, this is not straight from the text. This is just another way that children act that I think we should be more like kids. So this is not from the text. Jesus did not necessarily say this, but I think you can make a case for it from the life of Jesus himself. That kids take risks, right? They're risk takers, just naturally. If you have kids, you know this. They will climb on anything and jump from anywhere. They will touch things we'd never touch. They talk to people they don't know. They put their heads in places that don't belong. And we have pictures to prove it, right? And I got a picture of my daughter Mariah with her head in a place. Just kidding, Mariah. She panicked over here. And because kids are risky and they live their lives with reckless abandon, there's two words that quickly enter a parent's vocabulary that I believe has crept into our faith as well. And those two words are this, be careful. Be careful. They're getting on their bike. Be careful. They're going across the street. Be careful. They get on the slide. Be careful. They get in a bouncy house where literally nothing bad can happen. It's soft. Be careful. And I actually believe in a desire, to a good desire, to protect our children's physical safety. We end up raising adults who are afraid to risk their faith spiritually. The phrase, be careful and stay safe, become a mantra for our faith. And church, I don't know what risks we need to take. I'm asking God that myself. I don't know what risks collectively or individually we need to take, but I believe it's time for us to take some risks. And believe me, in order for us to rely solely on the Word of God and His way as described in the Word, in order for us to relate to people with the unconditional love of Jesus, it requires risk. You will risk your reputation when you give your all to Jesus. And you'll risk your reputation when you love everyone like Jesus did. Sadly, when you risk your all for Jesus, your reputation with those who don't believe is risked. Even more sad, when you love people unconditionally like Jesus, you'll risk your reputation with people who love Jesus. 
because they will say the same thing to you that was said about Jesus. You're hanging around sinners, drunkards, prostitutes. Maybe Jesus is one, is what they said. You're going to risk relationship. That when you give your all to Jesus or love people like Jesus did, you'll risk relate, sometimes deep-rooted relationships. You'll risk money. You'll risk, I'm going to turn to I. I'll risk security. I will risk money. I will risk comfort. I'll risk my life if I rely on Jesus and relate to people like he did. Now, in America, it's hard for us to view our faith as a risk. This, we're free to do this today. And please hear me as I'm concluding here. My goal is not to make any of us feel guilty or bring us under condemnation. I just think we need some perspective shift. So can I help us with perspective for a second? A month ago, I opened up my Voice of the Martyrs app, which provides a daily reminder to pray for specific people, groups of people, typically countries, that live under persecution for their faith. I opened up my app. This picture showed up on my Voice of the Martyrs prayer app. I'm going to read it to you in case you can't read it yourself. It says, pray for Iran. Performing baptisms in Iran is punishable by death. So believers do them secretly sometimes in bathrooms. And I don't know if you can see it, but there's a gentleman being baptized in someone's bathtub by a pastor or an elder or whatever. And in the mirror... You can see his church family watching on. It's fitting for a day like today when we celebrate baptism. The only difference is we're free to do it. There's little to no risk for what we did today. We give a free t-shirt. You get a certificate with your name on it. We take pictures, we put it on social media, we celebrate it publicly, and yet we can walk right out those doors and it doesn't have to affect our life at all. Yet there's some dude in Iran today getting baptized at the risk of his own life. And I'm afraid to simply love someone because they're different. Or trust that what God's word says is true and abide by it? Or to give a small portion of my income to his kingdom's work? That's a big risk. No, it's not. No, it's not. And yet we still have people in America who don't want to get baptized because they don't like the way they look when they're wet. They want to get in shape first so the shirt and shorts don't stick to their body showing their body type. They think they're too old to get baptized. I've waited too long. What will people think about me if I get baptized now? They'll know I haven't been baptized. So maybe that's the risk you need to take today. That if, if you have surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus and His way as taught in his word, and you have yet to be baptized, please sign up to do that. It's a very small risk to take. You can sign up at the Next Steps wall today and get baptized next Sunday. 
There's some of you that need to do that. You do. You put it off for too long, and it's time for you to take that step. Maybe you've yet to surrender a part of your life to the lordship of Jesus. Maybe that's the risk you should take. And you know it will risk reputation. It might risk relationships. It might risk money. It might risk comfort. It might risk safety. But you've been holding on to this little piece of your life like it belongs to you, like a kid holding a toy, which is childish. Childlike surrenders the toy. Maybe there's someone in your life that you have not loved nor accepted. You've put up walls because they are different than you in some way. Color, belief, behavior, nationality, whatever. Maybe it's time for you to take a risk and start tearing down that wall. Maybe you're, you're living a life where you're not being generous. And it's time to start giving financially to the work of God. Maybe you give to God, but it's kind of out of your leftovers, and it's time for you to move from tipping God to being a tither for God, honoring him with the very first 10% of what he has blessed you with, the principle of the tithe. It's all through Scripture. I don't know what it is, but for me, for you, for all of us, there is something that we've got to risk in our faith. Maybe. Your risk is simply to put your faith in God through Jesus. Because make no mistake about it, if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus still would have died for you. He loves you that much. That Jesus, God in the flesh, came as one of us. He died because of us. He rose victorious so that any one of us could put our faith in him, be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, and eternal life forever with him in heaven. And for somebody, that's your step of risk and faith to take. I'm not going to give a salvation response right now because I want to leave a little bit of risk involved. But if that's you, I want you to come tell me. That's, that's me. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I'll be in the lobby after the service. Find me. Find one of our prayer team members at the purple tent in the back. Find one of our volunteers and tell them. It's a, it's a risk. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I love you guys. Thanks for letting me deliver God's word to you today. Let me pray for you, and then if you just remain still, I've got a few closing things. God, thanks so much for being a great God. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you give us the path to walk, a childlike faith. Lord, help me, help our church, rely on you. Help us relate to other people like children do. And Lord, I pray we'd be risk takers in the kingdom of God. We love you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you do need prayer for something, please stop by the purple tent in the back. There's members of a prayer team. Pray for anything going on. If you're new, please stop by the living room before you go. That would be awesome. And other than that, have an awesome week. I love you all. You are dismissed.